Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and this week I'm joined by Kim Getty and Karen Costello, CEO and Chief Creative Officer at Deutsche LA. In October, the West Coast office of the IPG agency split from its New York office in an effort to double down on each of their strengths. For Deutsche LA, that strength is in its production studio, Steelhead, which the agency will be moving into as its headquarters in the fall, as well as a new performance marketing group. Getty and Costello also chat about the agency's approach to DEI and why there are so few female leadership teams at agencies. Hello, Kim. Hello, Karen. How are you? Really good. Thanks hey, for having morning. us. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. I know it's a little earlier for you guys than it is for me, so thanks for uh, joining us from the West Coast. Um, so Deutsch uh, recently split into two separate agencies, um, L.A. and New York, and you guys are the leadership team of L.A. So talk to me a little bit about um, what's new in L.A. since the split. What are, what are you focused on as Deutsch L.A.? Um, and how's it been working out? Sure. It, this split is, the split has gotten a lot of attention, I think, just because it was a, an atypical move as the industry was sort of moving to consolidate, we decided that we could actually be better off, you know, being a bit smaller, actually, and really reducing down to our core roots in LA that Karen was a part of one of our, I think, our 13th employee in the LA office. So, (laughs) so much of what we've been focused on since we've done that over the last six months was really just defining our own brand and, and focusing on building up and, um, supporting our people as we're navigating through this sort of bizarre time of entering back into maybe a state of normalcy of work. Yeah, you know, I'm going to jump in because I do think that um, the story of Deutsch and kind of the split does actually go back to the beginning and can mention that that time that there was 13 people around that table. And I was one of those 13 people. Kim actually joined a couple of years or a few, few years later. But um, there was a real spirit to the group of people that sat around that table. Um, and that spirit was one of we can pretty much do anything we set our minds to. No dream is too big. We kind of labeled it as outsized ambition because a lot of people underestimated our ability to um, kind of do what we did. So we went in a year from basically 13 people with just about no accounts um, to, you know, within a year we had a car account and we're growing um, upwards towards 200, 250 people. And that trajectory was really exciting. Um, and that, that scrappy, like, Hey, it's just us kids sitting around a table, figuring things out has been the spirit of Deutsch that I have loved. And as a person who has actually, um, I call myself a double boomeranger because I've I've left and come back twice. Um, that spirit is what draws me back and what actually draws a lot of people back. We have um, at Deutsch quite a lot of people who boomerang, um, which I think is a real testament to um, the people and the culture that we have um, because it's, you know, as Kim kind of alluded to, regardless of what moment in time we're in, and it's been pretty crazy the last year, it's always been about the people. 
and creating an environment for the people and um, doing work that that people love um, with people that they also love. So, yeah, anyway. yeah, I mean. Definitely want to talk about your, your double boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy. Can't stay away. <laughs> um, so I guess as, as a leadership team, I mean, you both have been at, at Deutsch for LA for a long time, Karen, since the beginning and Kim almost since the beginning, talk yeah. about navigating this split um, as leadership. Like how did you communicate with your employees, your clients? Uh, what did you sort of like, you know, do in order to make this successful. I would say you should take that, Kim, and then I'll I'll jump in and add some color. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, well, I guess the first thing is just from a, a context standpoint, internally and with our clients, it wasn't a big event. So we had been operating really as two separate agencies with two pretty distinctly different cultures and different client bases for years. So it felt like a really natural evolution on both sides, you know, both for LA and for New York. And so the, the communication, you know, when we shared it, when we shared it, it was a, a range of, Oh yeah, that makes sense to, Oh, I thought that was already the case. <laughs> so yeah. in that respect, it was a little unremarkable. I think that, um, Maybe from an outside industry perspective, it felt maybe a little bit more pointed, but I think that's just because it was a little counter to a lot of the trend that was happening at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, it is it is counter to the trend, like, right? Like, we've seen major mergers at WPP specifically, sure. um, other changes happening at other holding companies. Yep. Um, but when, when we talked about the split a few months ago when it happened, um, both you and Val DeFebo, who's the CEO of Deutsche New York, talked about how this will give you an opportunity to really invest in, in what you guys each do best, right? So where where are you investing now that you're, you're a standalone company? Where do you see the opportunity for Deutsche LA? Yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, the first is really doubling down on our production capability. When we move back into... The office, uh, which is going to happen, you know, at some point in the fall, I hope, uh, we will be sitting in Steelhead, the production company that we started three years ago, and really focusing on a culture of making and creation. You know, at this point, you know, we make about 50% of our client work in Steelhead, and we also work with non-roster clients and support them. And we're excited to really have that fluid connection between creation and production. So that's something that matters a lot to us. We're also investing in the places where we're really seeing a need on our um, client roster. We built out a performance marketing practice this year. And that has really come from looking at the tip of the spear, how we create work. And you know, we talk about being data-inspired and culturally shaped. Well, if you're going to be data-inspired, you need to have a robust practice that really enables you to use data in a creative way up and down the funnel. And so building out that performance marketing practice is something that we're already seeing valuable to um, a number of our clients and we expect to grow. Mm. Is that something where you're doing media buying as well? 
We are, I mean, we've always had media uh, at Deutsche LA. I think that's another thing that probably runs a little counter to some of the trend in the industry. But yes, we do media planning and buying for um, some clients. But broad, more broadly speaking, we think it's really important that we bring an investment point of view to our creative clients as well. So we're thinking about where the work is going to live in the world, how we can really be most effective with that, even as we're you know just working through the creative process. And Karen has always brought a tremendous amount of you know, real business acumen to how we think about the creative development process. And you know, I think that's something that really helps Deutsche LA stand out. Yeah, we love to be business partners in addition to you know, just creating and making great creative. We love like, and, and we love to surround ourselves with, with people in the agency that love to solve problems, big business problems, small business problems, and um, use our creative um, superpowers to do that. And that partnership, I think, has um, done us well over the years because um, it really solidifies those relationships with clients because um, we're in it for the long haul with them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all of the disciplines are are blurring so much and clients really need integrated expertise. So it makes a lot of sense. And Karen, I'm curious, um, your thoughts on like integration between production and creative. I think that's another area where the lines are, are blurring a little bit. You can see it very clearly with what you guys are doing with Steelhead. So maybe talk a little bit about the way you see the future unfolding um, in, in that vein. Well, I think it's absolutely exciting because I don't think it's any secret. I mean, everybody in the industry over the last few years, even in the weird um, sort of pandemic years, is talking about content and sort of the voracious appetite that consumers and clients and everybody, it's about content and making. And that's been a big part of the industry for the last few years. And I think it is incredibly exciting to be not just connected to your production partners, to be like right next to them. Like we are literally sitting in the same buildings and working hand in hand with our production um, people at Steelhead. And I find that it is just adding to your creative um, strength when you get more smart people who understand creative um, problem solving, just kind of from a different perspective too. And the more people that, um, are sort of invited into that problem solving and creative making the better. So I love having it just sort of, it's almost like our right, our right arm. Um, And I think that that's absolutely the future. The closer you can be to it, the faster you can do it, the more nimble you can become. Um, I think it just makes you better. And that also doesn't, by the way, mean that you're sacrificing craft. I think there's a big, also a big discussion in industry about does the speed of content, the, the way everybody wants it to be fast and nimble and efficient, does it sacrifice craft? Um, and I think with Steelhead and the quality of people that we have in there, Diego and his team having, have created an incredibly group, an incredible group of really, really talented people um, that I think just proves that you don't have to sacrifice talent and quality of craft to be, be sort of as um, nimble and as efficient as you need to be. So I, I love it. I think it's absolutely the future. I think creative people like to make. And when you are right there in a maker community and environment, it just it's much more invigorating because it just feels like things are being done all the time. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, I don't think you can have a choice between quality and speed anymore, right? No, like, oh. absolutely not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can feel it. Like you can see it out in the world when you, when you can kind of sense that people have made a compromise or a sacrifice. And that's just something that we decided at Deutsch not to do, which is why steelhead and the quality of people that are part of um, that is, is so important to us because I think that those things need to go hand in hand. Mm. How does having a production house change your business model? Like I know, you know, typically production it's, it's, it costs a lot of money. It's outsourced a lot of the time. Um, how does it change the way that you work with clients and can charge for your services? Well, I think what it does is it makes us a more attractive partner when you are able to see the efficiency, you know, both from a commercial standpoint, also a time standpoint, as, as you pointed out, Allison, that we can bring to the table. So for us, it's been a, a real benefit and it's something that we're proud of and it's something that we are going to continue to really work hard to stay ahead of the industry on because we think it's important. And listen, we're, we're taking advantage of our location in Los Angeles. I think mean, there's two things we get from that. The first is, you know, just the state of the real estate market. You know, having a 10,000 foot shooting stage is something you can do when you live in L.A. and you're not working in high rises. Um, And we also have access to absolutely incredible talent that maybe has been working in the entertainment space, but has curiosity and interest in working in a more, you know, focused way on brands. So we're trying to capitalize on those two things in a way that's beneficial to our to our brand partners. and, And I think they really appreciate it. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, speaking of being in L.A. and and working in the entertainment space a lot, I think you guys have a a good amount of entertainment clients. What's that been like over the past year with all the disruptions in in entertainment? I mean, I think that what we've seen is that like in every in every industry, there's been winners and losers. (laughs) Uh, That's that's just the way you go. I think we've seen that in, in advertising, too. And it's been the the brands that have been in a position to be really resilient and adaptive that have been the most successful. And, and I, it's funny because I think that maybe there's been some catalysts for making a pointier point on that. It's always been the case, you know, it's always been the case. And I think just sort of the stresses of the last year and the business environment in which we've all been operating have either like shown the cracks or they've actually strengthened the resolve. And I know I, 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 Karen and I couldn't be more proud of the the teams at Deutsch and the way that we've sort of pulled together and and really dug deep and and done it for each other. It's mm-hmm. it's been awesome to see, and we've seen that in our clients too. Karen, talk a little bit about uh, managing the creative output over the past year while working remotely. I know it's been tough for a lot of creative teams, but I'm curious to get your perspective on on how it's gone. You know, I would say um, it's a great question. It's a common question. I think a lot of people, um, I would say everyone in the industry talks about that. Um, How are you doing with the creative? uh, Not just me. We all talk about it with each other. Like, how are we doing with our creative departments? How are we doing with our people? Do people feel um, connected to each other? Do they feel like they um, are part of something bigger than themselves? All the things that kind of matter to Um, an organization and, you know, a group of creative people. And one of the hardest things um, 
during this pandemic. I mean, there's lots of things. <laughs> there's lots of things that have been hard, um, but creativity is a natural, living, organic thing. And in a Zoom world where everything is kind of rigid and um, has to be kind of um, scheduled, it does take that out of it. So you know, everybody kind of feels overloaded because even the 15 minute conversations you used to have in the hallway have to be scheduled on Zoom and it just kind of creates rigidity where it didn't used to exist. So I would say that's what I hear the most. That's what I feel the most and what I hear the most from creative people that um, that are at Deutsch, but kind of in the industry is missing out on those really beautiful organic moments where you pass somebody in the hall or you're just, you know, kind of chatting for an hour and naturally problems get solved as you chat um, organically. So one of the things that we try to do, we, we try to do a lot of things in the creative department and that um, is to not to, to get together as groups over zoom, because sometimes um, we have found it's very easy to just uh, kind of be in your zoom groups. Like, so if you're just working on a certain account, the only people you see and connect with are the people that are on your zooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, let's, you know, let's create more opportunities to cross pollinate with people at the agency and in the creative department. Um, but we also work really hard um, in the creative department and in the agency as a whole to create um, downtime for people so that you can go step away from your computer and walk the dog outside or just sit outside and not have anything to do but let your mind think and just kind of um, ideate in the way that natural things kind of happen. And so sometimes, weirdly enough, we schedule at least I've in the creative department, I've scheduled that time on people's Zoom. So I'll like put it on their calendar that they have to step away. So they accept the invite and then that means that their calendar is blocked out. So, you know, there's like workarounds that we try to do, but but we really find, or at least I have found certainly that helping people find that organic, natural space to think and and kind of talk outside of scheduled Zooms is really, really important, at least to as closely as is sort of healthy and by the CDC guidelines to, to recreate those organic conversations that produce the magic of creativity. Um, that seems to be um, one of the biggest challenges that we've, we've had to work around. Um, So anyway. Yeah, no, I hear the same thing from a lot of creative people. And um, I'm curious, like now that you guys are moving to the um, Steelhouse studio, what are you thinking in terms of, a hybrid work structure? Um, do you want everyone back in the office all the time? How are you thinking through ex- actually executing on the return to the office? You know, we, we haven't formalized a game plan yet. And it's something that uh, when we go back, you know, we've been very clear that it's going to be a beta. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because such an important part of, I think, all of us being successful as a as a community of people at Deutsche LA has been listening and really strong communication. So, you know, when we ideally go back in the fall, you know, it's going to largely be a hybrid model and um, we're going to sort of look at it as that beta to understand, hey, where is it working? Where could it be working better so that we can be adaptive? But we are expecting the majority of people to, you know, get some energy and value and connection from being in the office. Uh, we've had it open just on a voluntary basis. The other, you know, the last, I guess it's been the last month or so. Um, yeah. and, and just the, the fuel 
that you know people have gotten those who have chosen chosen to come in has been absolutely fantastic um and you know we've hired over 130 people since the pandemic so we've got a lot of people who haven't had the opportunity to to meet in person and being able being able to see that happen and the power of that um has been really energizing and rewarding um and we even were able to have a a safe and fun party last week um which which was just i mean it was probably the highlight of my entire year was getting <laughs> our group You're seeing people in person together and yeah. having an opportunity to to just enjoy each other's company and celebrate everything that we've accomplished and so you know we're going to continue to really prioritize and value investing into that community and those connections that enable us to really thrive, you know, not just individually, but collectively. We think that's a huge part of what makes us different. And we think it's really important um, to our, to our success. Mm, yeah. No, it's, it's super exciting that people are getting back out there again, little taste of normalcy. Um, yeah. and- <laughs> I mean, you guys have hired a lot of people over the last year, which is exciting too. talk about um, the talent pool right now. I hear a lot of different things about, you know, people are not people are leaving the industry. People are, you know, going freelance. What are you actually seeing um, in Deutsche L.A.? Well, I I I see um, I see things that kind of reflect macro trends in the industry happening at Deutsche L.A., in the LA industry, but kind of all over. I do think, um, again, it's no secret that there's a ton of mobility happening right now. There's lots of articles about it in advertising, but in, um, in life in general, you know, there's like a time magazine article recently about just sort of the mass mass mobility happening post pandemic. So I think that's a little bit, um, of just kind of the post pandemic condition. Um, what I would say is that there is, um, and this was happening even before the pandemic, and I think it's just um, accelerated a little bit, but there is um, an incredibly competitive market because there's lots of different places for creatives to go. Like you can go in-house, you can, you know, work at, um, you know, a platform. You can you can do a lot of different things with your um, your creative talents. And so I think the onus is on agencies to create um, value for their employees beyond, you know, just kind of what a salary is, but creating a culture and a place where people feel valued for what they contribute, that they're part of something bigger than themselves, that they feel, you know, mutual respect for, you know, everyone that they work with, that kind of thing. So I think it's, um, it's really important to have work that people love working on, um, an environment people love being a part of, because uh, it's it's a really, really hot market right now. There is a lot of different places that people can go and um, you have to give them a lot of reasons to choose you, you know, and we've been lucky enough um, to have been able to do that. Mm. Yeah. Kim, do you have any thoughts on that as a CEO? Well, I, I, I agree with what Karen has to say. And I, and I really appreciate, you know, Karen always has looked at the world quite people first and it's, it's the reason that we were so excited that she decided to boomerang yet again. Yeah. But um, I think that I think that sometimes, like at least what I, when I'm reading, you know, there's a lot of an orientation to some of these rational dimensions of work, place, geography. 
um, et cetera. And I think it's just as important to be focusing on uh, maybe these even more important emotional dimensions of work, um, being valued, uh, being proud of what you're making, uh, having a manager who's going to advocate for you personally and for your growth. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we're focused on, we're, we're focused on both of those things. And we think that, you know, it's multidimensional and really looking at sort of the, the whole, the whole piece of it in creating, you know, what we, what we want is to be, you know, a highly, highly competitive and desirable place to work. We think we need to work on all of it. Um, you know, the thing that we see is like growth is the thing that tends to be at the very top of that list for people. So we pay a lot of attention to growth and we, um, for example, uh, have a talent path for every single person in the agency where every single job description is publicly available and, 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 you know, including Karen's and my own. Uh, so people can understand and see, you know, Hey, what does the next step look like? Um, we actually had that audited uh, externally last year to ensure that there wasn't any um, like unconscious bias in growth um, and sort of talent pathing for the people who work within our organization. So, you know, we're just we're just trying to understand you know, all the dimensions of how we can always be improving and um, and bettering ourselves so that we can be pushing toward a, um, you know, to be the very best place to work. And we're also persistent, you know, when we meet someone that we think is really valuable uh, and we believe could be a great asset to us, you know, even if they're not quite ready, we stay in touch. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and we look at pursuing talent, you know, yeah. in the same way that we look at pursuing great brands that we'd love to work with. Um, mm -hmm. we, we don't give up. Uh, and so, you know, that's just another piece of it. And, and it's a huge part of um, you know, at least how I look, how I look at my job is how can we always be, you know, sort of bringing uh, the very best people and, and the very best brands to bear to partner with. Yeah, well, on that note, I mean, you guys are a female leadership team, which is is rare, right? Female CEO, yeah. CCO yeah, in, true. in the agency world. Um, how are you? How does that shape your approach to culture and specifically to how you're looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion in in the agency. I'll I'll start, and then Kim um, just add on. Um, sure. What the the way I've always looked at it is, um, I think for me personally, I think it is always the fact. Um, you know, I, I don't. Again, it, it's no secret that it's been hard for women. Um, throughout the years in advertising. I, Kim and I have both been in the industry a long time. I probably longer than Kim, so I'll just state that uh, <laughs> ahead of time. But Barely. I've, been, I've been in the industry for almost 30 years, and there were times when I was first starting out that I was literally the only woman in a creative department, not even in leadership. And then, you know, we progressed a little bit as an industry, and then I was like, I was a creative director, but like very few creative directors. And then we progressed a little bit as an industry. And then I was like, oh, wow, an executive creative director. And so I, I just have a really strong memory and, and sort of a very, very empathetic heart to how it felt for me to kind of um, struggle and have support. You know, I, I made my way, but I had people that were mentoring and supporting me. And so... Um, I never forget that. I never forget how it felt. And so I really have worked 
it's it's one of the things that I am most passionate about is trying to always find a place for people, find um, a place that people can feel like they have a voice. If you feel like you've been overlooked or underrepresented, um, I, I've, I've worked really hard to try and I continue to work and try to kind of better myself as well to make sure I make room for others um, because people made room for me. And it's, you know, it can be a struggle, but it helps when you have support systems and people looking out for you. So I do feel that just kind of having that history in this industry, it has made me hyper aware and kind of even hyper motivated to continue to work to try to make that happen for others um, in all different kinds of underrepresented groups. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of, you know, being the only female creative in the room, like from your perspective, why are there still so few female CCOs and, and female creative leaders in the industry? Um, you know, it is creative departments. I've, you know, I've talked at a lot of three three percent conferences and panels over the years. Creative departments in particular are ha- are hard. Like you have to work really hard in those departments. You know, often I think again the industry's changing a little bit. Um the pandemic I think has has helped kind of change this a little bit, but over the years, certainly my history in advertising, there was a lot of you know, hey, people in creative departments stay till midnight or two in the morning to to get the work done. And they're, you know, in some cases there was some bravado to that, but in some cases that's just the way the industry worked and 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 how you had to kind of get the work done. Um, and that's hard. And particularly if you're trying to start a family and if you're trying to figure out, can I be a, a working parent in this kind of environment, um, that kind of thing. So I, I do think that in particular, creative departments um, have made it, have just been harder for women. And so, you you know, again, it goes back to finding the, the places and the people that support you and create space for you. And I think um, over the years, I've been able to find that at Deutsch and a few other places. But I do think um, you have to, you have to work at it and you have to um, collectively with the people you work with and the clients you work with make that a priority to make a space for people, regardless of where they are in their life, but particularly, you know, families and making sure that that creative departments and the rigor of creative departments can work for for parents and people trying to start a family, because that can be one of the hardest things, at least um, if I look sort of over my history and the experience of others as well. Mm, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, Kim, what are you, how are you thinking about DE&I at, at Deutsch LA and, and what sort of like programs or initiatives have you put in place over the past year to step up those efforts? Yeah, uh, I mean, DE&I has, has been a priority for a long time. It's one of my core priorities when I became president of the agency and I sort of stepped up that um as a part of my own like personal vision last year when I became CEO and it, all of the, the energy and, and the catalyst that came from within Deutsche LA, you know, I'm so, ex- I'm just so thankful for the voices that were raised to say, Hey Kim, like you're not doing enough. 
like we need to see more. And um, that was hugely, hugely valuable for us. And so, you know, the double down is just really looking to see how can we operationalize some things that are going to make an even bigger impact. So like we're doing a lot. Um, I think some of the things that I think have made the biggest difference, um, you know, making inclusion, like really fostering an active, inclusive environment where you're supporting everyone around you, a part of every single person's review. Uh, we're all evaluated on that and our role in driving inclusion across the organization. Um, you know, that that's a that's an important statement. And that's something that, um, you know, we're actively asking of everyone who chooses to be a part of our community is that they need to be bringing diverse voices out around them. Um, also looking for ways that we can uh, be investing in our own communities in Los Angeles, like one of the things that I'm really proud of is Blackness in Full Bloom, which is a program that actually was started last February uh, ahead of ahead of the pandemic, which was really designed to assist and amplify Black-owned businesses in L.A. So we're sort of taking all of the resources and talent of a big agency and saying, hey, we are going to invite local Black-owned businesses to come in pro bono, and we're going to help you build out your brand and your business so that we can create mobility in our communities. That's something that I think is really exciting and cool. And another thing that I underestimated, the power and impact um, of building out individual ERGs. You know, we had had one uh, sort of collective ERG within the agency. And last year we made the decision to actually create distinct and separate ERGs. And um, it's been such an incredible um, sort of, I think, opportunity for people to seek support and um, to sort of define and and connect uh, their own voices and gaps and needs. But, and I expected that to happen, but I think the really cool thing that's also happened as a result of creating those defined communities is the creative work that's emerged out of them. Um, And I don't know how familiar you are, Allison, I'm happy to sort of kick some of it over to you, but our Latinx ERG um, created an incredible Instagram um, series based on code switching and sort of acknowledging, you know, who they are in their private lives, you know, could sometimes run counter to how they show up professionally and kind of bringing those things together. Uh, our women's ERG, you know, created this really, really cool physical and digital sticker pack that was all about setting boundaries and and saying no so that they can, you know, say yes to themselves and their personal lives. Um, you know, our Asian ERG created an amazing collection of NFTs to drive donations for Stop API Hate. I mean, so many interesting, um, so many interesting uh, creative expressions have come out of those communities. And you know, that just helps us to double down on our commitment to diverse hiring and representation. And um, it's one of the, I think, huge motivators for our leadership team to continue to grow so that we're able to be opening up those job roles and, and bringing, you know, more diverse voices into our agency uh, that are going to propel us forward. Because at the end of the day, it's about the impact that we have on the work and the impact that we have on the businesses that we're trying to serve. And I think we're all abundantly aware that bringing um, more diverse points of view and perspectives forward in the creation of that work gives them more saliency and power in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you see like, you know, getting those groups together and allowing them to express 
creatively, is that starting to show up in the client work that you're creating as well? I would say yes. And I would say, um, I think it gives people, you know, I, I feel like a lot of, um, creativity comes when you feel like you have a safe, a safe space to create and, and take some risks. And I think having them feel support in those groups and feel like they have that space allows them to sort of bring that forward, um, in the work that they do day to day as well. So, um, that's been really exciting. And I think, um, I think we're just going to continue to see more of that, which I'm very excited about. Karen, Karen is really humble. I'm going to just sort of like, (laughs) it's just, it's like, so it's one of the reasons I love you, Karen. But I mean, I think it's neat to see at least the, the beginnings of um, some recognition of our work in this space. Um, uh, Our pet spark campaign was honored by Forbes last year for its genuine approach to diversity um, is the thing that really made it stand out. Um, really proud of our Walmart Plus launch campaign last year, um, which was sought by Daniel and Katina Mercadante. It featured the stories of 22 real families. You know, it said, we're going to tell this story not through one lens, but through multiple lenses um, so we can really um, sort of capture a a resonant and authentic perspective of the American family. Um, So, you know, really looking, and, and again, those are green shoots. I wouldn't say that we would characterize the work that we're doing as, hey, all the way there. Um, I think we've got a lot more work to do, you know, both in front of and behind the camera to ensure that we're bringing a a truly um, diverse perspective to bear. But we are working hard at it, and I think we're beginning to see um, some positive impact from it. Yeah, I agree about the work ahead. I always like to just kind of keep looking forward, like what can we keep doing? What can we do better? Um, But I will also give a shout out to our Steelhead group and Diego de la Mazza in particular, because he's so active in creating voices behind the camera. And um, and that's from supporting up and coming directors and being part of multiple um, kind of groups that support that and pledges and all sorts of things like that. And it's um, it's one of the reasons that I feel so good to be so connected with Steelhead and his group too, because we have very, very shared values and what we think um, is the way for, for really, really creating um, space for everybody um, to have their, you know, their voices heard, their work seen um, and kind of diverse perspectives out in the world. So I just wanted to make sure I said that about Steelhead because they do a really good job of it. Yeah. Great. Well, um, thank you guys so much for joining me. I, I'm excited to hear about all the progress you're making in the space and um, about, you know, looking looking forward to getting back to the office and seeing how that, that shakes out for creative teams. And um, yeah, just thank you for, for being here. Thank you. Thanks all. so much for having us. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry and we'll see you next time.